constructive, positive attitude or enthusiastic attitude really makes a difference for them. So. Consider your current scope of responsibilities and make sure that you are doing everything you can to make that uh, just very best delivery as possible. Creating this dynamic of parents saying we're not getting what we're paying at the same time, we are investing more and more and more. Welcome to ISS EDU Learn Ask Me Anything with Mike and Dana. Here we'll be exploring how international schools are innovating and transforming education around the world. From the latest trends and insights to stories from teachers and administrators, you'll get the inside look to the global education landscape. So join us as we explore what the future of international education has in store. Get ready to be inspired, challenge the status quo, and embrace a world of possibilities. Welcome back to ISS EDU Learn. Ask me anything with Mike and Dana, brought to you by ISS.edu. I am Mike P, your favorite educator interviewer. I am here with my co-host Dana Watts, who is the Director of Learning Research and Outreach at ISS. Dana, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? Happy belated birthday. Oh, I appreciate you. Airy season. It's always a good time. Before we get started today, just a couple of housekeeping items. Don't forget to hit the like, subscribe, and leave us a review. We could be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Spotify. Please don't forget to check us out on iss.edu slash events to see all the upcoming professional developments that we have coming up and also any job fairs that we will also be hosting. Today, we have a very special guest joining us today, Ricardo Urbina. Ricardo is an insurance broker who specializes in providing insurance coverage for international schools. He's also an expert on benefits of breathwork. He has over 10 years of experience in the insurance industry and has helped many in international schools protect their students, staff, and assets. In addition, he's a certified breathwork instructor who has helped countless people reduce stress, anxiety through the power of just breath. Ricardo, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me uh, on the show. I'm uh, definitely looking forward to talk to uh, you guys for a little bit. Thank you for coming on and uh, speaking to us. So just let's get started with just letting us know about your background in insurance. Uh, if you could just tell us a little bit about the industry and how you got started in providing insurance for international schools to begin with. Awesome. Yes. About 15 years ago, ISS used to have a for-profit arm. So they had a partnership and a company called ISFIN, which is standing for ISS Financial and Insurance Network. So they had a, a half ownership of an insurance broker's firm, and they also partnered with uh, James Burnett on the financial services. So um, that's how I started working in insurance. I got recruited. And you know, to be honest with you, at that point, I never sold insurance in my life. I used to own a coffee shop prior to that. So I moved from that into moving to this new sales executive role selling insurance for American international schools overseas. So it was all like brand new to me. And, you know, it's been kind of like a, a long journey. Right off the bat, I was in, in charge and put into uh, handling the, um, the Americans and the international schools in Latin America. And eventually I moved to the African region and the Middle East. And I did that for about like three years before ISS shut down that for-profit arm. And they moved to uh, Clemens Worldwide. I was at Clemens for about five and a half, six years. Mm -hmm. And then a new opportunity came up with the International Medical Group. I moved there to start a new plan that was a competitor with the plan that Clement had. And around the first year of COVID, IMG decided to shut down that program. 
and I went back. Okay. Could you just give us some examples of the type of insurance that uh, international schools could be interested in? Handles the different regions around the world, and I'm still heavily involved, so I can still go to a lot of the regional conference, even present at the leader conferences or the business manager conferences regarding all different type of risk, depending on the region of the world where the schools are located. Okay. Are you able to tell us a couple of misconceptions that people have about insurance and how do you address them? Well, I think like the biggest misconception people have on insurance is that, and I think a lot happens in the educational, in this educational segment is that a lot of people look at insurance as an asset instead of an expense. The reality, like, you know, like most people, when I say they look at it as an asset, they look at it as like, okay, I'm paying for something. I need to get some sort of return for the premium that I'm paying to the insurance company. And uh, most people look at it only from the aspect of like their health benefits, right? But the truth is like, that's not what insurance is about. What, what insurance is about is really about risk. And when there's any source of risk, you have three options. You can assume the risk, so you don't need to get insurance. You simply like, Hey, I'm not going to buy insurance. If anything happens, I'm going to have to pay out of my pocket. Um, you can partially transfer a risk. Okay. So if you transfer, you can do it partially or you can do it fully. So that's what you do when you purchase insurance. So in, in that regards, you know, you go, you buy a policy and now you're not taking the risk that if anything happens, you're going to be paying for it. The insurance company pay for it, depending on the terms of the policy that you have. So when I say you can partially do it is, you can have a program in which you basically are not covered at 100%, you're covered at 50% or 70 or 80%, mm -hmm. and then you assume the other part of the rest will be the remaining, you know, up to 100. So that's, I'm going to say, like, it's probably the biggest misconception that I see when it comes to insurance. Like, people think, like, they buy something, they need to get some sort of return on investment. There is no return on investment. It's, it's an expense. Mm -hmm. And that's regardless any type of insurance that you buy, whether it's car insurance, whether it's your health, life, or anything like that. Life insurance is actually the most interesting one. And, and ironically, you know, if you look at from that aspect, it's like, well, you buy a life insurance and you don't even get to collect any benefit, you know, because mm -hmm. you need to die in order to collect. So and somebody, so somebody else is going to collect for you, right? So, so that, that's why it's not an investment. Right. Ricardo, I have a question for you. So, okay, I hear about like insurance if I'm a school, right? Thinking about like getting insurance, but for teachers, like, and I think a lot of our listeners like are thinking about going into international teaching, but they may not already be a part of the international teaching world. Insurance overseas is okay, A, incredibly important, but B, so much easier than it is if you're coming from the States. Am I right about that? Absolutely, actually, and this is an interesting question, and thank you for bringing that up, because I think like, you know, I had participated through the recruiting process for many schools, whether it's schools that work with us or either attending at ISS fairs. In my experience, number one, when somebody, when a recruiter looks into going overseas, one of the most beautiful things about working for an American or international school is that most of them will provide you with your health benefits. Uh, which is something that, you know, in the United States, we're used to not having. In the United States, we tend to cost share. Well, we, we share the cost of these health insurance benefits. Well, when you go overseas, most of the time, schools are going to offer you very, very rich, comprehensive packages, which is kind of what we sell and our competitors sell to the schools. So from the aspect of feeling secure, I think like the schools do a really tremendous job in offering really 
the best of the best of what you can get in the insurance world to their staff. So, you know, if anybody that's listening to this podcast is considering going overseas, that is definitely one of the biggest benefits. You will be most likely provided with an international health insurance program that covers you worldwide. It's going to be very extensive and it's really going to be like, you're really going to be very well taken care of when you go to an international school. And I think it's important also for people to know too, like you're not just covered in your home country and then in the the country where your school's located, but it's globally because you're going to travel a lot. Like within our jobs, like we end up constantly being sent to professional development and to conferences like all over the world or on just school trips, you know, you're co-coaching a soccer team or they need someone to, you know, do something and step in for somebody else. The next thing you know, you're in a country you would have never even imagined going to and your insurance is covered. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So this, uh, just to, yeah, to kind of like tag along with what you just said, the international plans that we provide to schools and this international school tend to purchase, they cover you globally and it covers you during the school year as well as during your break. So most of these plans are purchased and they're tied up in general with the school year and your contract. So they go in the majority of the time from August 1st to, to July 31st the following year. So these policies are per policy year, not per calendar year. Okay. That's important. Yes. I'm Molly Faye. To the listeners, you may have heard me once or twice before on Mike's podcast. I work with Mike and Dana in their professional development department. I have a quick question. As someone who might be a spouse to somebody who's looking into international education, what does insurance coverage look like for families, for people that work at international schools? Excellent. Actually, great question. It goes tied up with what I was saying before. Uh, Usually these programs that schools offer to their employees are, are very rich. Uh, and in general, covers their the employees as well as trailing spouse if it's a it's a non-employee and family. So the plans will cover usually all the family. We had seen depending on the school, depending on the region where they are, places where they actually do co-share the cost of dependence. Very rare to see that, but it happens here and there. And I think overall. Unless you go, which is very different from what we're talking about here, unless you go to like some sort of bilingual school or some sort of like language school, then most likely training dependents do have to pay for their own portion of their insurance. But when we're talking about specifically American, traditional American international schools, these benefits are provided and they are 100% paid by the employer for the employees and their dependents. And am I right to think, at least it's been my experience, that when you have to get insurance overseas, it's only far less, like if you have to add things on, like you decide to buy a car and you're in the middle of India or Thailand or something like that, and you want to get insurance, it's far less money than like insurance stateside, correct? Not far less, but it's going to depend. So there are definitely things that you need to take into consideration. So yes, international insurance is a little bit, cheaper, or in some cases, it could be a lot cheaper than insurance in the United States. And the reason for that is because the cost of healthcare in general overseas is cheaper. However, there are certain regions of the world where that is not the case. We see the case, for example, in Brazil, China. Uh, Also, we see countries or, or regions where there is not proper care in the actual countries where the people reside. So they need to travel to a different area in order to, or a different country in order to receive 
benefit. And sometimes the plan covers for the cost of traveling for these primary care benefits. So I give you an example. We see a school in Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, even like uh, Pakistan, where like they cannot receive medical services in their own country. So they need to go, for example, to Bangkok or to Singapore in order to get their, their regular benefit. Even if it's like a doctor checkup, X-ray, MRI, you'd be surprised how many countries around the world, especially when you look at West Africa, certain parts of Asia, there's not even an MRI machine in the whole country. So they need to go somewhere else to receive these sorts of benefits. So the plans that we cover will provide you benefits to travel and be taken care of properly. And that's where when you rate a group or a school, the, depending on where they are and how they're going to be using the benefit, that also is going to be affecting the premium. So Yes, overall it's cheaper, but it's important not to generalize like it's going to be the case in every single country. As an educational professional, you likely understand the positive and crucial role inclusion has on classroom culture. And you might be on the lookout for a community of like-minded educators. Senya International is that community. Senya is a nonprofit organization that advocates for individuals with disabilities and promotes inclusive educational practices across the globe. With a network of educators, families, students, and professionals, Senya offers connection, professional learning, and support for educators like you. Connect with the Senya community via our membership program or a local chapter in your area. Enjoy professional learning with the Senya community via our podcasts, online certification program, and in-person or virtual conferences. Support Senya through our sponsorships, awards, and scholarship program. So, what are you waiting for? For more information, head to our website, senyainternational.org. That's S-E-N-I-A international.org. And together, we continue to make a difference and fulfill our vision of living in an inclusive world. All right. Thank you for that, Ricardo. Insurance is always something that I'm not too familiar with. So I certainly hope the information that you shared is one that can help our listeners out one way or another. So Absolutely. uh, Absolutely. Yeah. As all this insurance is giving me stress, I like to switch gears and talk about (laughs) breath work here. (laughs) That's funny. Excellent. If you could just express to us what breath work is and how can it benefit some of our listeners here today? Absolutely. So let me give you a little background, how I came to this and and how, you know, how I'm teaching it. So, you know, for many years, I I raced triathlon at a world championship level. I'm an endurance athlete, you know, work with world champion, world record holder, Olympic medalist, you know, I train with them, work with them, like, and now I coach too. So, or I've been coaching for quite a good amount of years. And as I was evolving, I moved out of triathlon and as I phase out, I decided to start surfing big wave. And to do that, I kind of like had to tap into new sources to become more efficient, learn how to hold my breath, eventually became a certified uh, free diver instructor. And with that, like, I got deeper and deeper into this, the aspect of the importance of breathing properly in the holistic point of view, from a holistic point of view, and definitely from a high-performance point of view. And with that, I started working with, uh, you know, athletes as well as uh, schools on using breath work as a good way to control our emotions, to handle stress, to deal with anxiety, panic, depression, 
And nowadays, you know, I, I, I'm spending a, a good amount of time of my free time specifically doing these sorts of things. I, I have been lucky to work with the Computer School of Naples heavily for the past like year. They came up with a, with a wellness program that they wanted to implement across all grades through the school and have been a big part of it. So, so part of, of my function working with the Computer School of Naples is like I, I've been visiting the school every four or five weeks and I work with their students, their staff, their parents, the whole community. And part of it is because like when it comes to breath work, it, it's not really a magic pill. It's a practice. And because it's a practice, you know, it's something that it has to become part of your DNA. It takes time to, to adapt to this change and take time to get the automaticity that it takes, you know, of doing something from the subconscious point of view. Mm-hmm. So this is why when we look at, into this breath work and, and potentially doing like a breath work part of your, your daily practice or integrating into the school curriculum is something that has to be continuous. It's something that has to be applied throughout the year at all time, every day, if possible, in order for this to stick and to really to improve the quality of our life. So, yeah. Wow. Breathwork sounds like a very powerful technique and you just keep repeating. Not that it's a bad thing. You just keep stating that breathwork, breathwork, breathwork. I just want to see, if, is that different from other forms of meditation or mindfulness or anything like that? No, absolutely not. They're all combined. They're all the same. So when I, when I say breathwork, is, uh, the way we see it from this point of view is like teaching people how to breathe properly. The beautiful thing about this is that it's free. All it takes is really to learn how to like properly breathe, especially using diaphragmatic breathing, engaging your diaphragm. And then the more you practice it, the more you will engrave it. So it's in the back of your brain and your subconscious and you start breathing properly. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for example, one of the biggest things that we see when people come to higher levels of stress and having and high levels of anxiety, and you see that anxiety is fairly common these days across every age, is that we have become mouth breather. And because of that, we are living in a minor hyperventilation stage. So by breathing through our mouth, our breathing rate is higher, our rest heart rate is higher. And that's what's kind of like putting our brain into this like fight flight mode um, that we live on regular basis. So we're kind of like on like alert mode the whole time when we shouldn't be. And that's what like the, when I say breath work, like that's what it comes down to. It's teaching you how to breathe properly. So you don't have to find yourself living in this stage on a regular basis. I would think that that would be really helpful for, I think, especially a lot of students really have some anxiety issues and some depression issues and are struggling with, you know, a lot of socio-emotional issues is post-COVID, right? And I don't even know if it's post-COVID, but the students lost a lot during that time period. And I see, you know, that's a huge issue within our schools is just how do we help kids think through those issues? We're hearing more and more about students who are struggling. And I think this kind of work would be really helpful. And it's something they can do quietly at their desk, right? It's something you can do you know, in the bathroom at school, it's something you can do, you know, while you're sitting there at the lunch table, but you don't have to like, like for me, I'm a runner. I can't go out and all of a sudden like run five miles, like in the middle of a class, right. To get rid of stress. Like there. So it's like a helpful thing for students. Like it's just a lifelong skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things, you know, we work when I go to schools and I work both with staff, teaching the staff, how to use different 
breathing technique and with students on different breathing techniques they can use while they are during the class, during the day, or dealing with exam. Breathing technique that helps you relax very quickly. So within 90 seconds, all you need, all it takes you is 90 seconds to do something like that. And then there are breathing techniques that help you focus or, or engage. So you can do a combination of 90 seconds of, let's say, a breathing for relaxation with followed by 90 seconds of breathing for engagement. And boom, within three minutes, you're kind of like ready to go and take a test. And nowadays, I, the more schools that I talk to and, and schools that I visit, a lot of people talk about box breathing. And box breathing is a major, major technique. The Navy SEALs made it very, very famous. I actually teach a, co- a surf survival course for, in general, it was for the big wave surfer, but we teach it in San Diego. So usually people that are actually applying for bot training and ex-Navy SEAL have come to the course and have received plenty of great feedback about it. So the box breathing helps you to focus a lot. So one of the things that I tell, for example, students when I give them my presentation is, it is okay, it's normal that you might wander in the middle of a middle of a class, your mind starts wandering around and you start looking around and you lose focus on what's going on in the class. Perhaps if that's something that happens to you, you might have to do some box breathing for like a minute or two while you're trying to like get back into a classroom. And doing these sorts of things will allow you to maintain yourself engaged in the classroom while you're doing the work and not potentially like either be the distracting person in the class that makes it harder for the teacher to, to deliver the lesson or, you know, bother other, other students inside the classroom. So like you make yourself a distraction. So, you know, ideally, like by using these sorts of technique, they can either maximize the, you know, their engagement in the classroom as well as their learning process. And Ricardo, so when you were growing up and you were a kid, do you think you could have used this to try to help? Like, what kind of student were you and how could this have helped you? Oh, my God. Absolutely. I mean, like, to be honest with you. Yeah, I wish I learned about this when I was a kid because, I, you know, I was never diagnosed with uh, ADD or anything like that. But I definitely know that I get distracted very, very, very quickly. And I think, you know, the, the more I had learned about breath where the more conscious I am and more intentionally I am about what I do. And this is why when I say I repeat the word breath work is, yes, because like at the beginning, like anything, it has to be very intentional. And eventually it becomes become something that is second nature and you start doing it automatically and things kind of like start clicking. But for a while at the beginning, you do have to do that. Now, the other thing that I like breath work is, the following, and, and kind of like following up to what you said, like, yes, it takes practice and a lot of this can take years, all right? And I think a lot of time when people hear this, they get discouraged. And the reality, this applies to everything that you do in life. I race sports at a competitive level. I get involved to certain things and I get very like obsessive about it and I like improving and I love performance, but I very clear and I, I have a very good understanding that it takes time and it's something that is progressive. Now, my thing that I always tell to students is, and anybody when I talk about this is, it's not like you have to learn to work with what you have, okay? Like, so the best time to start is right now. It doesn't matter that it, like you, you haven't done this for the past 10 years or, or like that cannot be changed, but starting and applies to anything at right now to, you know, be more intentional, be more conscious about making these sorts of changes will have an impact in your life eventually. So, you know, if you play sports or if you want to play a sport, it's the same way. Yes, whatever skills you have, 
well, let's work on those skills that you have as of today and make them, you know, going forward, improve them. So the same thing with, with breathwork. You can't go back in time. You cannot, you will never make it wishing that you have what you don't have. You just have to work with what you have. And the beautiful thing about breathwork, like with breath, like I said, it's free. You know, you have your nose, you have your mouth, you have your lumps, you have your diaphragm. Like it's a matter of like putting it to use. And being able to learn different ways to maximize how to use like your breathing cycle. There's a lot of exercise that I teach when I work with kids, especially at the young age where like you can practice breathing properly as well as do hand-eye coordination exercises, which are great at, at all ages. So, you know, you can do these sorts of things. You can implement in the classroom. You can also I do workshop for parents where I teach them how to do these games so they can play with their kids and do this at home too. Because the more they do it, the better it's going to be. I actually have an interesting uh, or a funny story. I was teaching this couple or, or I was doing a, a parent workshop and I was te- and one couple who both of them were doctors were very, very into learning different exercises they can do with their kids. So I was teaching them how to do breathing exercises with their kids while they had their kids kind of like guiding their breathing cycle through touch by moving through their hands. Well, these guys both work with a microscope and using like doing surgery with like, like arthroscopic stuff. Mm. So they're like, oh, like they could not believe how the exercise that I was teaching them for hand-eye coordination to their kids actually applied to their job. So it come across like all ages. So it's really this is doing these sorts of exercises or rewiring yourself to do these sorts of exercises really applies to people of all ages, you know, regardless of what you want to do. Well, Ricardo, you got me pumped. You got me ready. And now I would like you to walk us through a quick breath work exercise because all I got is my lungs and you said it's start now. So I'm ready. It's, if you absolutely. Just... <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, let, let's talk about if I can, I can teach like, let's say three very good ways to, of breathing mm-hmm. that you can apply to your normal life. The first one I'm going to say, like, it can be breathing for relaxation slash recovery. If, if you're an athlete, this is something you can do right after you, you exercise it before going to bed, before, uh, if you have, if you feel anxiety, if you feel panic. So the first thing would be, well, it could be like an oxygenation type of type of breathing. In this type of breathing, what you want to do is you want to inhale for half the time that you exhale. So, and you want to do a slow breathing of inhaling, let's say for six seconds, and then exhale, let's say for anywhere between 10 to 12 seconds. And you have to do it very slowly. One really good thing about learning to control your breath is humming. It comes from yoga. So when you exhale, if you do some humming, it will be very, very easy for you to excel. So if, if you practice, let's say, 90 seconds, two minutes of breathing, inhaling easily through your nose for six seconds, exhaling very slow for 10 to 12 seconds, humming, you will feel like your heart rate drops very, very, very quickly to the point where like you can almost like fall asleep easy. So, you know, when, when I talk about this, a lot of people like, and sometimes I do like three, four minutes of breathing this way, people will fall asleep. So this is, you know, one type of breathing that's important. In the case, for example, like I mentioned before, if you are going to take a test and you're very stressful, you're, you know, your heart is really, you already feel your heart doing this source of breathing 
is great. Closing your eyes is awesome for something like this. Closing your eyes is great because we take a lot of information through our vision. We depend heavily on our vision. And because of that, we kind of like receive a lot of information through that and the brain is working like crazy. And when the brain is working like crazy, it's spending a lot of oxygen processing. So mm -hmm. closing your eyes and doing this breathing for relaxation helps you tons. Okay. Then the next type of breathing that I would recommend would be like uh, what I call breathing for engagement. So on the breathing for engagement, again, breathing through your nose in and out for let's say four seconds in, four seconds out. It's a really, really, really good way to bring some CO2 in the system. CO2 is not bad. CO2 is something that is really good. It's very important for the gas exchange that we have in our body and for the absorption of oxygen that you, we can bring in. So if you do something like this from 90 seconds to two minutes, you immediately can see the effect of that it has in your brain. So again, I will usually recommend people to do 90 seconds of breathing for relaxation, follow for a 90 seconds of engagement breathing. Breathing through your nose is the best because it will force you to use your diaphragm. And then you're basically ready to like start your test or whatever, do whatever activity you want to do. These are kind of like, I'm not going to say hacks because it's not even a hack. These are like quick things that can rewire you and get you going right away. And then the, the third one that I would recommend, which we talked about, is box breathing. Box breathing is a great, great, great way to stay engaged on a task. I know a lot of Navy SEALs, work with a lot of Navy SEALs, where like they, they constantly tell, like, man, if you're hungry, box breathe. If you're cold, box breathe. If you're tired, box breathe. Because nobody's going to give you a blanket. Nobody's going to give you a change of clothes. Nobody's going to give you food. So box breathe. And continue focus on whatever your next task is going to be. And I tell you, on my personal life, I, I use it a lot. You know, I doing big wave surfing these days is one of those things where like a lot of times you paddle out, you're looking at 50 foot wave or even more, and it's very stressful. And the reality is that you are out there for four or five hours. Sometimes you don't even catch one wave. Sometimes you only catch one, maybe two waves. It's, it's not those sorts of surfing sessions where you catch tons of wave, but through box breathing, it's probably the best way for me to stay fully, fully focused and engaged in what I'm doing. Because it, it, I'm in a heavily stressed situation where like, if I become sloppy, I can potentially get myself killed. So for me, applying box breathing is something kind of like to a certain extent that I can, I can say I put it to the test in life's death threat situations. How do uh, I so, box breathe, Ricardo? So the box breathe is basically you inhale for four seconds, you hold for four seconds, then you excel for four seconds, and then you hold for four seconds and repeat. If you make it into a practice, you can extend it to five seconds, six seconds, seven seconds. But, you know, the breathing cycle that we have, the human body has, usually four-second breathing, it would be, be perfect. And just so, you know, Navy SEALs made it famous as box breathing, but this is basically pranayama practice. And pranayama comes from yoga. You know, this is something that you don't for cent we don't for centuries, uh, nothing new. In pranayama, there are different ways to do exercises as far as of, you know, mitigating whether it's stress or whether it's focusing. So, for example, for mitigating stress, a good exercise that you can bring from pranayama, this is something that teach people how to be comfortable when this emotion that gives you anxiety comes in. 
and handle it without losing control and getting into panic. So very easily in pranayama, what you will do, let's say, for example, you will breathe for six seconds, then you hold for 10 seconds, and then you exhale for 12 seconds very slowly, and then you can hold again for four seconds before you repeat in the cycle. But where you actually teach your brain to be comfortable and to understand how to handle the, the anxiety feeling is on that long hole between your inhale and your exhalation. And ironically, it's during that hole that your heart rate drops the most. So for example, like if you're an athlete and you're looking to drop your heart rate really quick, like inhaling deep, holding for a little bit, and then exhaling, it was going to help you to drop your heart rate quickly. So this is, for example, a good pranayama exercise that is good to teach people in a controlled environment on how to get comfortable with that anxiety uh, sensation and how to wrap it back and get it back on control. And, you know, when we talk about emotion, anxiety, panic, these are sensations that there's no cure. We all struggle with that. And that's why it's, it's good and important to learn through breathing and through breath work to learn how to manage them. You know, we all go through parts of, you know, you can have years before you have an anxiety attack, but then all of a sudden a situation comes into your life or a certain level of stress comes to your life and you start feeling this sensation relatively often or very intense. And through having this type of like powerful practice, you can learn how to control it. Thank you so much, Ricardo. I believe that's all the time that we have for today. Been doing the breath work the whole time here. Uh, the one that where I close my eyes is very dangerous. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you can knock out at any point, but it is very relaxing, like you said. Would you like to let our listeners know where they can find uh, more information about you, whether it's in regards to the insurance or the breath work? Sure. So as far as insurance, the website for our company, it's uh, clements.com. And as far as uh, the training that I do, I do coaching as well as, you know, I, I run workshops, one-on-one -on -one sessions it, through uh, Apex, Apnea, and um, Peak Performance Coaching. So that's my website. All right. Thank you so much, Ricardo, for being here today with us and joining us and sharing your insights. Thank you, Dana. Thank you, Molly Faye, for joining in as well. The whole international school family for coming in and listening about insurance and breath work. It's clear that Ricardo has a wealth of knowledge and experience in both areas. And we've learned so much from this conversation. If you want to learn more from Ricardo on his work, you can connect with him on his website or LinkedIn and anywhere else that he had mentioned. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you subscribe to ISSEDU, Ask Me Anything with Mike and Dana on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and review. Those go a long way to let us know that we are doing the right thing. Join us for our next episode where we'll continue to explore ways to improve education experience for all. Until next time, my fellow educators, bye-bye. Bye, everyone.